Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by Circus Sports. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr., and alongside me, as always, is my guy, Corey Wooten. Everybody's saying, like I told you before the show, you know, you've been doing this impersonation of me lately, which I'm not a big fan of because you make me sound like a <laughs> whiny little girl. And I know some people aren't in love with my whining, whining, whether it's about the team or just my whining inflection of my voice. But they seem to think you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to doing my whining impersonation. What do you mean? I mean, the Bears won. I mean, what's the problem? It's okay. I used to be a bricklayer. Now I'm a full-time media member. <laughs> well, Come over there makes fun of me. <laughs> he does make fun of me, and so do you. You guys do a great job of that. But, no, now I have fans mad at me because I was whining about the way the Bears won on Sunday because – you know, everybody keeps asking me, would you rather they win or lose? Cause we've kind of gotten to this point where they have like a 1% chance of making the playoffs with every win, their second pick in the first round pushes further and further down. It fell from five. Now it's at eight. If they were to win their last two, it could fall as far as to like 16 or 17, potentially if mm-hmm. things fell a certain way. So I, I made the statement on the post game show that like I, they can win out and win eight games and, and have positive momentum entering next year, similar to the way the lions did last year. And look where it's gotten them their first division title in 23 years, but going up 21, nothing. And then, you know, letting Arizona creep back in, creep back in and, and making little mistakes, doing things that we've seen them do too often. Let the other team make adjustments. You're not making the correct adjustments. Mm. Justin Fields throws an interception at the end of the game that almost lets the Cardinals back in it. You know, defensively, you start to let go of the rope slightly after starting hot. Like the, all these little signs brought me back to those three games that they've blown that they could have won. And it just brought me back to those vibes where I was like, eh. I'd, I'd prefer, you know, if you're going to go up to 21, nothing to step on their throats. If you're going to play that way to end the year, then I'll celebrate it. But if you're going to continue to make the same mistakes I've seen all year, it doesn't make as fun of a win. So Corey, is that too much whining from me after a bears win? <laughs> I think you're whining a little too much. It's hard to win games, even against a team like the Cardinals, right? Look how far the bears have come this season. We got to a point where, we didn't even think they were going to win certain games, right? They were outmatched, uh, outcoached, you know, in, in different matchups, and they were able to come out and win. So what, where they've been able to come from, right? At, at some point where all of us across the board were picking them to lose games like this against the Cardinals early on in the season. Um, so I think you just got to look at the progress, right? And, and in this league, it is hard to win games. So, Braggs, I don't care if it's the Arizona Cardinals. I don't care if it's Carolina Panthers. Like, they played them early in the year. That was a that was a tough grind-em-out win, and it wasn't pretty. But at the end of the day, right, win or loss, that's the only thing that matters, right? You, you, look at the, you look at the film, you get back to the drawing board, and you correct some of those things. But what I like is they're consistently being able to close out games. When early on in the season, they wouldn't have been able to close out games like this yep. or the Carolina game. So there is progress. There is some growth. And I just think sometimes we look at, we want to see this and that a win is a win brags. Right. And you got to yep. take the positives from this game, right? You look at, you know, especially when it comes down to Justin Fields and Cole Komet, right. Them really getting on the same page because we had talked about this before the season. This was a huge year for Cole Komet. 
and this is something I always said, he reminds me a lot of Kyle Rudolph in his prime. He's not a burner down the field, but he's the quarterback's utility guy, right? He when when you need a big play, you need him to beat that zone. His hands have been unbelievable this year. At times in the past, struggled with drops. But this is exactly what we want him to be. So we're seeing him and Justin Fields on the same page there. We're seeing the running game continue to flourish. That's something that's always been a strength for the Bears. So there are some positives, right? The defense, you know, at, at times, you know, they were giving up some big chunk plays, but they're able to close out the game. So yep, that's when I look at it. Um, they've come a long, long way this season. And the way they're playing right now, if, if, if we started the season over, I think they'd be a playoff team the way they're playing right now. 100%. I mean, if they had had Montez Sweat to start the year, yep. you know, and, and the defense was able to come together a little more um, aggressively and naturally with a pass rush, you know, you're not leaning on things. I mean, they made so many mistakes early on because they couldn't generate a pass rush. I'm with you. I think the Bears would be an inch or two further along than where they are. And you're right about closing games. You know, this team lost a lot of close games last year. And while they have blown a few games, you know, the competitor of me just focuses on those. There is games they have finished, you know, the lions game at home after blowing it to the lions game on the road, they finished that game. They finished that game stronger. And I think they've finished any game. Um, you know, the Browns game, they blew it, but then they followed up against the Cardinals and finished that game. Um, you know, and that, and that's the thing, like uh, the headline of the show or the thumbnail of the show is that, you know, on pace for eight. And they have an opportunity to win eight games. And before the season, you know, I had made a statement. I thought I predicted they'd win nine. I said eight games would be a, a huge improvement and a win on the season. Seven would be like, you know, uh, you know, taking your medicine, but you don't want it, but you got to take it because it's good for you. And I felt like anything under seven was, was a failure. And right now they're at six wins and have a potential to, uh, overcome that threshold is that where you stand on it like if they can win one or two more games they've kind of eclipsed the threshold of your definition of a failure or success i asked cole Komet. he cole cole felt you know cole's standard is is super high he's in the he's in the fight right now and he goes hey we're defined by winning super bowls you know i'm not gonna be satisfied with seven or eight wins i think that's a healthy way to look at it especially if you're on the team but as someone that's an analyst and looks at this team, you know, with a bigger picture yeah. is six wins, a failure, seven wins, a little bit, like is seven wins kind of overcoming that and, and an improvement. Like, where do you stand on that? Yeah. I, I think this season in general, just as far as how everything played out is a failure to be honest. Right. Because, you know, I've been vocal about this. This was supposed to be a huge year offensively, right. For, for Justin Fields and this offense and really having him come into his own and, and being able to figure out everything you need to know. And I think it's still up in the air for a lot of people, right? I, I know how I feel about him and what he can bring to the table and potentially for the future of this bears, but some people are still on the fence about him, right? This should have mm -hmm. been clear and cut a crucial development for him to continue getting better as a quarterback to be able to um, just continue improving, uh, have him be on the same page with guys like DJ Moore and Cole Komet, what we're seeing towards the end of the season. But, you know, a guy like Darnell Mooney, right? We thought he'd have another big season when the pressure was off him. And it's been up and down, right? A lot of drops. And, um, you know, I just think early on in the season, the, the way it, it was very similar to last season with Luke Getze and Justin Fields. And we kind of just thought, okay, 
towards the end of the season last year, they figured it out. They're going to hit the ground running, right? And we saw the opposite. So I, I really feel like it was a waste of the year. I had predicted the Bears to have 10 wins. And you look at those three games, the three crucial games, uh, the Browns, um, Denver, and Detroit, right? Those three games, right now we'd be at nine and six at this point um, with an opportunity to win 10 games uh, this upcoming week and then the following week potentially go for 11. So that's kind of where I thought the Bears would be. And uh, even despite how bad they've played this season, you take those three games and you switch them to wins, it's a completely different ball game. So um, mm -hmm. it's just definitely a little disappointing because – I think offensively they have the talent, right? An improved offensive line. DJ Moore, right. Cole Komet is, is playing at a Pro Bowl level, right? Uh, Three-headed monster and running backs that pick your poison, right? Whether it's Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson can get you. Foreman has, has been a beast out there. Um, defensively, they're arguably, you know, uh, last game was up and down with them. But I think across the board, they've been playing very consistent ball defensively the past four weeks, right? They're, they're playing at a level that we thought they could be. Um, yep. Montez Sweat has really improved that. But it, it definitely is frustrating, and I feel like it has been a little bit of a waste as far as the development of Justin Fields um, because I, I, I really thought he would be further along and on the same page as Luke Getze. Um, but we're – this offseason, there's going to be a decision, right? Obviously, I think the coordinator is not going to be there. I don't think Luke Getz is going to be there. And now right. they have to make a decision on Justin Fields. Um, and, and real quick, to get on the Justin Fields debate that we've been having every week, right? And, and We're going Twitter 12 rounds. Here. Exactly. We're going 12 rounds. But I look at like this, right? You look at Patrick Mahomes, right? We can, we can make an argument, right, that he's the best quarterback in the league right now, right? Right. How has he been playing the past five, six weeks? Not great. Right. And, and, and the thing is, right. So, so what's the common denominator, right? Uh, maybe, maybe not necessarily him. We lost you. Where'd you go? Can, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can't see yeah. you. I don't know mm. what happened. I'm going to try it again. But, uh, <laughs> this is a scary moment because if you got to log out, then I'm all by myself. And I know some of our fans will be just petrified at just the idea of having to listen to me ramble. Yeah. I, but, but I, I'll, I'll get to the point real quick. Um, so about Patrick Mahomes, right? His receivers cannot catch the ball, right? So mm -hmm. you, you, we can make an argument right now, right? If he had receivers that, that were dynamic and catch the ball besides Travis Kelsey, they'd be in a lot better position, right? Yep. And he would he would play better himself, right? We're not seeing the MVP type Patrick Mahomes, right? So we could agree that that's not all on his shoulders, right? Sure. And I think the same thing could be said about Justin Fields. I'm not saying he is Patrick Mahomes, but you think about if you if you add another weapon, what what I've been saying, Marvin Harrison Jr. around DJ Moore, right? And you get a play caller that can script for success, that can play call plays. I really do think that Justin Fields could definitely be a top 10 quarterback in this league. You have the defense set the way it is, right? And then think about if you add another defensive end opposite Sweat and you and you add a three technique. I really yeah. think this team is scary. <laughs> oh, there's no question. There's no so that, question. That's my whole thing about this. Should we draft this guy or that guy? I think you need to build around a team, you know? And, and it, it's hard for me to say, okay, pick a quarterback – right? That's a rookie. And when you can really build around this team, because I think we could all agree, J Justin Fields is a dynamic playmaker, right? I think there's some areas he definitely needs to improve. I think the, the coordinator is doing him a disservice the way 
it's been very up and down with the play calling. So I, I just look at it like he has so much talent that the coaches know around the league, the players, they are, they are scared to play a guy like him. You know, when you talk about Detroit, how before the game, they're talking about how matching up against Justin Fields and what he can do to beat you. I think he's so dynamic that if you can get a play caller around him and another weapon, I, I, re- I really feel like this offense would be scary. I really do. I yep. Do. Uh, so I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to try here. to, I'm gonna try to yeah. uh, hold on. Let me see if I can start the cam real quick. You're good. There we go. I don't know okay. What yeah. Well, you're all right. I, you, you got a little technical difficulties, but you're fighting through it as you do. And, and you know, well, and to the point, uh, we'll stick with fields and then we'll go back to the team. Uh, you know, we had this graphic pulled up during the afternoon show mm-hmm. and this is kind of where we stand over the last two years. You know, last year he played 15 games, 60% completion percentage, 60.4. If you want to be exact, 2,200 yards, 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions this year with two more games to play. Still, obviously he missed four games with an injury, 60% completion percentage, about the same, just a tick higher 60.9. Uh, looks like he's going to eclipse his passing yards on the season right now. He's at uh, 2,146. So uh, about a hundred yards back of his pace from last year, 15 to nine touchdown ratio. So essentially uh, the, the stats are very similar, but there's still two games to play and he missed four weeks. And so that's kind of the million dollar question is it, I, I agree that it, he has made progress. If you compare his first 17 games to his career, to his last 17, he has made progress. I don't think there's any denying that. I agree with you that if Ryan Poles chooses to keep him and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or trade back and and get a big you know load of, of draft picks and you end up drafting Malik Neighbors instead of Marvin Harrison or whatever, and you add to this arsenal and you add to DJ Moore and Cole Komet, do I think he can be a very effective player? Absolutely. Do I think he can be every bit of the player Jalen Hurts is? Yeah. And I know Philly fans would look at us like we're crazy when we say that. But I said this stuff last year and I and I agree with it. Um, even if it seems outlandish, you put a good team around him. You know, that that that's something that I think they can win with. You know, uh, but I think last night was another example of that. Brock Purdy isn't a perfect quarterback. He threw four interceptions. Uh, look terrible against a tough defense against the Ravens, but you know, he's got a great team around him. So they're heading to the playoffs. They're going to compete for a super bowl. Is he Tom Brady? No. Is he, you know, Patrick Mahomes? No, but you can win with that. Like you mentioned with Mahomes, he's struggling right now. Matt Nagy calling plays wide receivers, dropping balls. Sound familiar. We went through that here in Chicago. So I understand all the reasoning, but at the end of the day, the, the question is, is it enough progress? Because if they didn't have the number one pick, it'd be a totally different conversation. Most people would be like, okay, let's see what we got here next year. We'll pick up his fifth year option. He's not getting a four year extension like Daniel Jones did just yet, but he has every opportunity to, you know, cash in and break the bank next year with a huge year. The problem is they've ran into this situation where the bears have the number one pick and that's a problem for him. That's a great thing for the bears. And it's going to be an interesting situation now with the Patriots winning on uh, Sunday night. 
it comes basically down to the Jaguars Panthers game. And if the Jaguars were to win that game, they clinch the number one pick before we even get to the last week of the season. There's still, you know, a chance they could fall out of the one number one spot and, and fall as far to, to four, you know, when you consider Washington and, and new England and Carolina all kind of right there with three and four wins. So there's still th- some things to be played out and it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to draft Caleb Williams. Uh, I know that's a lot of the conversation we have on this show and um, you know, and, and all over social media, yeah. but we still have one more week for that to be a decider going back to the team. They're six and five over their last 11 games. They were zero and four to start the year. Mm-hmm. And my question is, is like you said, okay, that like you, you define it as a failure. They've certainly turned the corner defensively since Montez sweat arrived and they're playing above 500 football since they've kind of gotten their act together from the Washington game on. But when you look through those wins and again, you say, okay, it's, you know, not easy to win in the NFL beggars. Can't be junior choosers got to learn to finish. But as you go through it, Washington, who's right now the fourth worst team in the NFL, Mm -hmm. the Raiders, they beat them, um, you know, with um, Aiden O'Connell. I think that was one of his first, times he came in he he got you know we were playing a backup quarterback Tyson Bajant won that game they beat the Panthers who are the worst team in the NFL and they barely beat the Panthers um they beat the Vikings that was an ugly football game uh without question Vikings certainly gave them a lot from the defensive aspect and then of course um the Lions being their their signature win of the season at home and then beating the Cardinals who are the second worst team in football right now. Now that I, I picked through the weeds and those is long winded, but you know, to me, yes, they're six and five, but can Ryan polls look at that and say, you know, Hey, I'm going to push all my chips in on Matt Eberflus or is that not enough quality wins for you? I, I think it becomes a question like this. I know there's been a lot of rumblings about another coach potentially, whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's Mike Tomlin. I know that's been there's been whisperings of that. And my thing is like this: if you can get either one of those guys, I like Eberflus a lot. Uh, the, how he's got these guys playing, but I think that would be a major upgrade if if you have the opportunity to potentially do that, uh, get one of those coaches. Uh, I just find a hard time, especially a guy like Mike Tomlin and Jim Harbaugh. Right? They have a a winning track record and, and what they've been able to accomplish and what a guy like Mike Tom has been able to accomplish with, with the Steelers, right? Even when they don't have the quarterback situation figured out and, and it looks like they're not going to make, they still made the playoffs for years. So I, I wouldn't mind that. Um, you know, I know it's probably a long shot at that point, but I, either way, right? I think Eberflus has done a great job getting this defense in order, right? Do I necessarily think maybe he's head coach material? I don't know, man. Because I, I feel like there's been certain situations where you're like, just situational awareness, things like that. Um, I guess the one thing that, that really has been saving him towards the end of the season is just the way the defense has been playing and they're winning games. So I think it's it's giving him a longer leash at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And Poles has to make a decision because this is his future as well, right? Because – if he's got to make a decision whether, hey, we're keeping uh, Iberflus and company or we're going another way, right? Because ultimately this affects him. Same thing, he's going to make that decision with Justin Fields, right? Because he didn't draft him. 
but he's got to make a decision. Hey, I feel better about Caleb Williams or I feel better about Drake May than Justin Fields, right? I don't believe that is the answer. I always believe that you develop around a quarterback, especially if he's talented enough and you and you continue to build those trenches. I think when, when I look about it, right, you look at Tom Brady, the years that he lost to, to the Giants. That defensive line single-handedly took over that game, right? And you yep. look at Eli Manning, right? People could make an argument all day. Eli Manning will probably be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Do, looking looking at him play, do you really think that? I, I don't, but he's got two Super Bowls, right? His defense really, you know, he had that head catch with David Tyree. But I think the defense really clinched both times. Oh, yeah. Right? No question. And, he, and, and so I think Justin Fields is a more talented quarterback than Eli Manning. I do. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, Eli Manning awesome person how he was able to run things kind of limited turnovers at times but i don't believe he was that talented you look at when when they got drafted philip rivers should have been on the giants who i think is a better quarterback than eli manning right i think his stats prove that obviously he wasn't able to win super bowls like eli manning but talent wise philip rivers is more talented quarterback than eli manning was and i i just think for, for me, you build around a team in the trenches. You build around wide receivers. And I, I think this team is pretty dang good. You know, I, I uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they end up doing. Um, it, it's a hard decision, you know, for Poles. Like, this is his future, right? Yep. Uh, what he's going to do with the head coach, what he's going to do with Justin Fields. But I'm thinking from a perspective of a former defensive lineman and – Justin Fields, the type of talent that he brings to the table and the matchup nightmare that he brings against the defensive end, against the outside linebacker, and how he's improved, right? I can see if Justin Fields hasn't improved at all, you know, from year to year. I think I think he's made tremendous strides. Um, you know, the play calling, we've, we've, we've been very uh, – we've, we've talked about that a lot. Um, but I think he's made some progress in, in some significant areas. I think he's throwing a better ball. I think he's making better decisions. Um, his first year, we saw so many picks from him, right? We saw bad decisions. But I think we're really seeing improvement. And I would just hate for such a talented quarterback to go go to waste and say, hey, we're going to move on from him. When I think if you add that Marvin Harrison Jr., you add some defensive linemen, I really think this team is a playoff contender. Because think about it, Braggs. The way they're playing right now, they are a playoff team, right? If we start the season right now, how they're playing right now, they are a playoff team. Can we not agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Okay, so think about if you add you add arguably one of the best receivers to come out of the out of college football right now, then you add another defensive end opposite Sweat and a guy like Johnny Newton from Illinois. I'm telling you, this this team is a playoff contender. They are they're a playoff team right now. So you add that. So that's why I'm thinking. If you add another quarterback, right, you draft another quarterback, you're essentially starting this whole process over again. And I, and I do believe that if Justin Fields has a play caller, that the sky is the limit for him, right? We, we look at Brock Purdy, and you can't take anything away from him. But I think if Justin Fields was in that system, he would be balling out as well. Yep. Kyle Shanahan, he runs a great offense. Mike McDaniel with Tua. I'm sorry, we got Luke Getze. He, he hasn't helped anybody, right? Whether it was Justin Fields or Tyson Bajan. I know people were hyped up about that Raiders game. But look at after that, the pressure he put on a young quarterback on, on Sunday night football against the Chargers, right? 
he literally had him air the ball out 40, 45 plus times on a big stage. So I, I think the play caller is is the reason for the the diminished uh, you know improvement at, at times. Uh, so I, I would really be excited for a great play caller to see see what we could do. Um, I, I really do believe this is a playoff contender if we could add those those weapons, like I said. Yeah, I and I don't I don't disagree. I mean, um, you know, Hendricks is saying in chat, playoff contender is not good enough. They need to be Super Bowl contenders. Well, I mean, one step at a time, right, Corey? Yeah. I mean, brick by brick. Like we you don't you don't build the house without stacking the courses. So you well, can't well, just, you just can't like skip Kansas City, right? Kansas City, right? They're well, the way they're playing this year, eh. but every other year, the past couple of years, right? They are Super Bowl con- contenders because they built the team the way they, you know, exactly what you're going to get from them. We haven't seen that yet from the bears. And like you said, it takes time, right? We need to see a year after year of them. Okay. Playing consistent defense, uh, scoring points, being able to close out games. And I think the real mark of a great team is when you play terrible, is still being able to win the game. You look at Detroit in that first game when we played them, right? We're, we're, we we got the lead on them, two-score two lead towards the end of the game. They play horrible. Jared Goff has three-plus picks. They close out the game and win it. I think that's the mark of a good team. They played so terrible, and that's where the Bears need to be, and it's going to take time. And I think we are where Detroit was last year. Right towards yep. the end of the season, they were playing some of the most consistent. Well, players. let let them beat Green Bay first before we put that mark on them. Because like, let's 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 see if they can beat Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be a tougher test than Arizona. Arizona was what is was the thirty first ranked defense coming in, and it looked like they were about to blow the doors off them. They let them back in the game. Whatever they they close it. Fine. Atlanta's going to be a tougher test. Atlanta yep. beat a Colts team that was fighting for the playoffs and, and they beat the crap out of them, to be honest. And they made a quarterback change with Desmond Ritter to t- Taylor Heineke, Heineke, whatever the hell his name is. And, you know, they, they've got some weapons there, B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts and things like that, but they're coming to Chicago. I, I think that's a, um, I think that's a game the bears should and could win, but I, I could also see the Falcons, you know, um, you know, upsetting us like they did last year. I felt like the bears should have beaten the Falcons last year as well. Um, you know, somebody in the chat said, Jim cook said, you know, let let's beat more than one good team a year. And when I pointed out there's six and five over their last 11, but three of those teams are picking in the top five of the draft currently, you know, I get where he's coming from in that. But at the same time, if you look at, I'm always looking at the tankathon rankings. And one thing that stands out to me is there's a lot of mediocre teams. Everybody's kind of right in the middle. You've got a few outlier teams that are fighting for the super bowl we saw two of them last night but for the most part everybody's stacked in the middle there aren't even really that many terrible teams which is why we're walking into this situation where we might clinch the number one pick as early as next week because there's only one two loss team there's only one three loss team now everybody else is starting to push more towards the middle and you know if you look at there's only like three five loss teams and everybody else has six ones or more you know, beyond the, the first six, five or six picks. So I, it, it kind of stands out to me that there's just so many average teams and the bears did have a missed opportunity. Cause I don't, I think the NFC isn't that great. And you could have walked into a situation where you were a team playing hot, going into the playoffs against beatable teams in the NFC. The lions don't scare me. The Eagles look beatable. The Niners, 
you know, have definitely looked dominant this year at times. And then last night they got the, they got, you know, it taken to them by a, a really tough defensive team. Uh, so I, I think that that is, you know, a missed opportunity and what they can do next year is, is elevate themselves more towards the middle of the pack, maybe beyond that Super Bowl contender. I get why some fans want that, but it's a one step at a time basis. Now where I push back on you, Corey, is the idea that if they were to draft a quarterback, that they're resetting everything. I, I don't think that that's the case. And maybe I'm getting ahead of my skis when it comes to the potential of the bears drafting Caleb Williams. But I like, I think he's coming into a situation where you've seen guys like, you know, have an opportunity to play well right away. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, you know, Andrew Luck, uh, not every rookie quarterback is cut from the same cloth as far as the situations they're thrusted into. And that includes Justin Fields. Justin Fields was brought into a tough situation where a coach was on the hot seat and probably shouldn't even have been here. And it, and then he has to go through a rebuild la- year last year. You know, if they were to take a quarterback, whoever the quarterback is, including Justin Fields is going to be in a really good situation with the team surrounding him and the talent surrounding him. And Ryan Pulse continues to bolster this roster. So that is the one spot where I hear a lot of people saying, you know, it's going to be a reset and they're going to have to start over. And you brought in Montez, what you brought in DJ Moore, these veterans, uh, you can't start over with a rookie. Well, I think there is an opportunity for that rookie to make a quick, quicker impact than even Justin Fields could have with the situation he was brought in. So, so my, my whole thing is I look at it like this. If I'm Ryan Poles, I look at it like, is Caleb Williams or Drake May better than Justin Fields? I, I, I don't believe so. And, and my thing is like this. Well, you're looking at Justin Fields. Well, he's been in there three years, and he should have. Look at his situation, right? So I really do believe a lot of whatever quarterback is coming out, right, a young quarterback, rookie, um, is, is who their play caller is. That's, that's a big reason for the success. And we've talked about uh, C.J. Stroud, right? He's had a great rookie season. I think he's looked great. And look at his coordinator, right, Bobby Slowick. Uh, Shanahan disciple, right? So that's my only thing. I, I look at all these examples, right? And and even with, with Tua, I bring that up a lot. They were ready to toss him to the side. The owner didn't believe in him. Nobody in the locker room believed in him. And then all of a sudden they bring in Mike McDaniel, and he's a, he's a, a pro bowler. He's an MVP type candidate. So that that's why I'm just like pump the brakes with saying Justin Fields needs to get out of here because I think we can all agree that, that Luke Getzey hasn't done a great job, right? I think we can all agree, you, everybody in the chat, I think we can all yep. agree with that, right? So if – if imagine, imagine if Justin Fields had a play caller this year for the Bears that was like Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel. He, he would he, he would be in, the, in, in a Pro Bowl conversation for sure. Um, so that's why, that's why for me it's tough because you look at the games when, when things were called well, he played really well. Right, we were able to, you know, that Commanders game. He played lights out. Denver, you know, uh, through almost four full quarters, played very well. So it's just frustrating at times when you see, and we see this pretty much every game, right? The first two drives, Bears drive down and score. Usually, yep. usually on on two of those drives, whether that's a touchdown, the field goal, or two touchdowns, 
And then all of a sudden we hit a low with the play calling. Because what are we doing? Toss left, toss right, screen right, screen left. There's no continuity in this. How are you going to get any rhythm as a quarterback with that type of play calling? So that, that's, that's why it's so frustrating to me because Justin Fields should have been balling out every game, putting up really good stats. And we just haven't seen that because every game, every game, there's a low in and everything. Oh, 100%. Down score. And it's just very frustrating to see because I, I feel like this was a wasted year for his development. So everything is a little bit skewed because I think we should have seen a Pro Bowl caliber Justin Fields this year. And, you know, I, I definitely, everyone's like, well, you're, you're putting too much blame on the coordinator, right? But that is a big reason. Why, why do you think Alex Smith came from San Francisco, game manager, and then all of a sudden he's a four-time Pro Bowler leading the league and everything? Because of the play caller, Andy Reid, what was able to script for success for what he does well. I think that's the mark of a great coach. And I think Luke Getze really hasn't done that, right? I think the, the mark of a great coach is saying, this is what Justin Fields does well, and this is how I'm going to game plan for him. Just right. like the Ravens have done that with Lamar Jackson. Look, look at how they, this offseason, they got Odell. They got uh, Zay Flowers. They built around him, right? Uh, they, they got Roquan a year ago. They're building around this team, and they've been able to build around Lamar, right? Because I think for the past couple of years, he's kind of had up and down years, right? And now they're like, oh, let's put an emphasis to really build around him. Let's give him some weapons. And that's why you're seeing him play at an MVP level. So 100%. I think, I, I think Justin Fields is in that same, right? I, I think we could all agree that Justin Fields has the same playmaking and talent as a Lamar Jackson, right? But he has a way better play caller. He has a better supporting cast in, in being able to make these weapons and, and build around him. So it, it's it's frustrating for, for me because I get it. I, I get it. I mean, they, they made a, a, I didn't think they made the right hire and Brian Dable's not looking that great in New York, but I wanted an offensive minded head coach. Um, and it, because not only do you need a play caller and a guy that has a good system, but you needed a guy that was, that had the ability to, to develop a quarterback or at least had a resume that showed he could. Luke Getzey comes from Aaron Rodgers, who was already developed when he's working with him, you know? So that was a huge miss on their behalf when you knew you still had developing to do with Justin. And so there's things he does very well and, and could have, you know, the Ravens offensive coordinator do a better job of getting those things out of Justin Fields and, and, and having plays set up for him that are much easier to, you know, get the strengths out of him a hundred percent. I think most quarterbacks that are starting in this league, if they started for the San Francisco 49ers, they'd look damn good. So it, that's kind of become the anomaly. Cause every, I use that comparison so many times in the last couple of years, I said it a million times last year, you put Justin Fields on the 49ers. They win a super bowl last year. And I believe that, but at the same time, I think Brock Purdy's also proving you put, I mean, even after Brock Purdy came out, Sam Darnold almost brought them back in the game because I think you, you, you can put just about any quarterback with that team and they're going to move the ball and score at times. And if you're able, if they're able to find that quarterback that puts them over the top, they could win a lot of super bowls that way. So they're kind of an outlier. Um, you know, and I agree with you. The dolphins is a fair comparison. So, it, you know, it's it's not an easy decision. So now you go back to, you know, what you said about, like, I, I think that, you know, Justin Fields does these things better or, like, I don't, you know, Caleb Williams can't do, you know, we'll, we'll get into this stuff as we go in 
to that more in the next couple of weeks. We'll see if they actually clinch the number one pick. A lot of this conversation may be all for not if they don't end up with the number one pick. But I do think there are things that Caleb Williams does very well throwing the football. I mean, I don't think anybody runs the football better than Justin. I mean, when he took that one ball up the field in the fourth quarter for 40 yards, there's not many quarterbacks that could split the defenders like that and make a play like that. Uh, but are there things that Caleb Williams can do very well to great and maybe even better than Justin Fields? Yeah, I believe there are some things with his arm talent, the way he maneuvers in the pocket, his release, uh, some of his footwork, you know, and I'm no quarterback guru, uh, so I don't try to pretend to be one, but these are just things that I that I think I see with him and I have watched all of Caleb's games. That So I like I'm not in the camp of, you know, of downplaying what Caleb's capable of. And I'm also not in the camp of people that think that Justin Fields can't win with this team. I'm, I'm, I'm more in the middle and it's not an easy place to be because everybody thinks you got to have a hard line opinion one way or the other, or else you're a coward or something. We got Kentucky bears fan, 99, super chat. We appreciate you. I'm happy to see bears fans finally using logic instead of emotion with Justin Fields. So the Caleb Williams debate, anyone with an emotional attachment to Justin, can see this is anyone without an emotional attachment to Justin can see this is an easy decision. And that's what I like. That's my point right there. Kentucky bears fan views this as an easy decision. It is not an easy decision. I am more with what you're trying to say, Kentucky, that this is likely if they have the number one pick, they're going to draft Caleb Williams. I think it's that simple, but I also do not think it's an easy decision. I think that sells it way too short. There is more layers to this discussion and decision that Ryan Poles has to make to just swipe it off as an easy one. If it was an easy one, we wouldn't have this chat arguing every day at nauseum about it. it. The reason it is such a fired up conversation, the reason why we can't avoid talking about this every single week for the last two months is because it is a tough conversation. It is a tough decision. Uh, so I embrace that but it is getting, we're finally rounding third and heading home to at least see where we're going to be and have a little bigger view of what that decision is going to be. I'm excited to find that out because I honestly am sick of talking about the hypotheticals at this point. There is some fascination to it because it's exciting to see where this franchise is going. I think they're on the right trajectory, but to just, we just kind of keep drudging this up over and over and, and it, I, I, it sucks because I know that's what the fans want to talk about, but I wish there was more layers, you know, that we could get into about this team, but it, it really, at the end of the day is what's going to define Ryan Poles' career. Uh, I want to take a quick, uh, quick shout out to our guys over at circus sports before we move on to our next segment. Uh, circus sports uh, has been great with us all season long, Corey. They've been, uh, you know, at our tailgates and everything else. And, and we love those guys over at circa. Uh, and you got to make sure you hit up their sports book. They're in Illinois now. Uh, you can get their tight money line splits. Games strive to be a minus 110 split on the circus sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use a minus 115 or a minus 120 split. Circus sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to the other books. They're very transparent. They do not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. Uh, I encourage every better to download and explore all sports betting apps available and go ahead for yourself and compare the lines from each sports book. And you'll see 
that nobody's better than Circus Sportsbook. They're customer service, second to none, real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion. Unlike other sportsbooks who use those chat bots are super annoying. All aspects of the app are run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas who have the world famous, you know, outdoor pool area with the huge TVs and the 900 TVs. Can't wait to see it for myself here. One of these days, download the circus sports, Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you or someone you may know has a gambling problem, call 1-800 gambler or text G A M B to 833-234 or visit. Are you really winning dot com uh so we're we're moving along on the you know quarterback and head coach conversation that i'm sure we'll 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 be in the 11th round next week on but i want to get i want to get to the defensive line Corey, because you know we talk so much head coach and quarterback with you but you know i i almost you know feel guilty at times not getting your expertise from the defensive line standpoint because that has been we talk about the defense having that turnaround montez sweat being a big part of the turnaround of getting pressure to the quarterback, but you're seeing it from all angles. And one of those guys is Jervon Dexter, who I've been really excited about um, over. This is from Adam Johns in his first eight games combination of hits, hurries and sacks. He only had nine in his last seven games. He's had 16. Uh, another stat gets a little more into analytical driven data over his last five games. He has a 17.2% pass rush win rate, seventh among interior defensive linemen, or maybe just defensive linemen in general, and 15% pressure rate, sixth overall. Um, you know, so the numbers are starting to speak for itself. Yeah. Jervon Dexter is starting to arrive in this league and get a little comfortable with what he's capable of. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I've seen him flash a lot, and and I've I've talked about this multiple times. It's pretty scary because, like I said, at times he plays with super high pad level. His get-off is still not there, and he's still being able to make this type of impact. So I said this is a crucial year for him this offseason is to be able to really work on his pad level, work on his get-off. And if I were him, I would go to a pass rush specialist, D-line specialist, and really work on all that this, this offseason because he'd be scary next year, Braggs. If, if we're talking about somebody who can get off the ball, play with – good pad level and just be able to like the, the get off is, is the most important thing. I think as a defensive lineman, I think that that makes or breaks whether you, you are a beast in this league at defensive line is the get off, yep. right? Cause all the great ones, you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, right? I look at him and even to this day, you know, 10 years into 10, 11 years, still getting off the, still the first off the ball, right? His impact, his, his pad level, obviously, he's a lot shorter than Jervon Dexter, but he plays with great pad level. He plays with great leverage, and the get-off is key, right? That's half the battle when it comes to it because you're able to get off the ball quickly, right? You're able to beat that guard, especially for a guy like Dexter, right? When you're talking about one-on-one -on -one with the guards, you're able to beat them to that spot in the run game, and you're able to set that edge with penetration. That's what I talked about with this Tampa 2 scheme. The biggest thing is, you don't have to be in your gap every time. It's just about how much you can penetrate. And think about that. Teams nowadays, they love to do that hard play action, right? So think about this. If you're Jervon Dexter or you're anybody on the Bears 
and you're getting off the football, right? You're trying to penetrate. Imagine how much easier that transition to a play-action pass is, you know, as opposed to if you're playing like Jervon Dexter's Florida scheme where you're reading, reacting, and stepping where they step and then being able to react off that. that that's, that's tough sledding for any yep. defensive lineman. But if he's getting off the football and he's penetrating, right, and they do hard play action and he's able to penetrate in there, that's such an easier transition to his pass rush. He could rip. He can go over the top and be able to get pressure, get to the quarterback sooner. So I love the progress, what we've seen, because early on we didn't see him really impact the game much. Now we're seeing him start to impact the game. And I think it was the Montez Sweat effect. As soon as he came aboard, you know, he was playing well Uh Zach Pickens, we saw uh, Yannick on the other side before he before he hurt his his foot yep. on the other side. You know, we saw we saw different guys really step up. Justin Jones, right? He's really made an impact. Yeah, since Sweat has been there, so I think he's Andrew Billings has been good all year. Oh yeah, Andrew Billings has been exactly what we signed him for to be a run stopper. We see him in the backfield every time. We see him penetrating. That's something that you can't teach because every time you see Andrew Billings driving somebody back. And then what does the running back have to do? They have to bounce the ball out. And then you could rally the troops. And we can we can make an argument that the Bears have arguably one of the most talented linebacking cores in the league. So I think that's what you're seeing, the success of this defense, right? Because early on, right, guys were catching blocks. Bill, Billings was, was the only one, in my opinion, that was really dr- changing the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden when Montez Sweat came, you started seeing Justin Jones in the backfield. You saw Jervon Dexter. So he's improved everybody's game. That's why I was I was like scratching my head thinking like, why is everybody not like this Montez Sweat? I, I told you. <laughs> Remember I made that I made that video. Of course, make a video for me. About yeah. Exactly what Montez Sweat brings to the table. I go, I love this pick. Right. He is one of the most underrated defensive ends in the game. Yeah. Right. Seven he's been better seconds. here than he was at Washington. Oh. That says a lot because he was great there. Yeah. He he has what 12, 12 and a half sacks this year somewhere on there. Six and a half with the bears yeah but i'm saying but saying total for the year he has oh, yeah, yeah. 12 12 sacks which is which is unbelievable he's going to continue to improve but pressures every year he's top five run defense he's top five and sometimes people get caught up because the people are like well he's not a double digit sack guy because i don't believe he's ever had double digit sacks before this year but seven to nine sacks and the type of pressures he has people don't realize that pressures are sometimes just as good as sacks right because what do pressures do they cause picks. They cause errant throws. Yeah, Gary Ross, stat man right there. I'm a, I'm a stat man. Give me that. Do that. <laughs> 13 <laughs> sacks, baby. You remember that song back in the day? Come oh, yeah. on. Don't act like you don't we, know. Talk, we talked about this from, uh, and it, it, I always remember it from Nothing to Lose with Martin Lawrence and Tim Robbins. It, it, yeah, 13 exactly. sacks from him. And Gary asks in the chat, or he's not really, he's making the statement. Not sure we need a three technique. No, now, would you go that you far with? No, no, no. He's going too far. In, in, the, in this scheme, you need a three technique, right? I think having a dominant three technique, you look, you look at, you look at two, three techniques and right. JJ Watt, he was a three technique. He played a little bit five in that three, four, but how he was so dominant when he was in that three technique position in Houston and Aaron Donald, you look at what they were able to do. It's unbelievable. Like the, the pressure, the, the sacks, the hurries, um, the penetration in the backfield. I saw Aaron Donald last week, and he had a th- there was a there was a stretch run play to him, and he just completely penetrated and literally picked picked up the, the running back and slammed him to the ground. I was like, 
that is the impact of Aaron Donald, right? They try to double him. You can't do that with penetration. Obviously, we need an edge guy opposite Montez Sweat, right? That's a non-negotiable. I think we can all agree about that. Yep. But the but if you add that edge guy, I this this is I, I've said this. This is kind of my plan, right? If they're gonna keep Justin Fields, which I think they should. You you in free agency you get another end opposite Montez Sweat, right? You get a Daniel Hunter pass rusher. Yep, Daniel Hunter. Would love that. He's still a young, young guy. Still not even thirty years old yet. You get him. Then you got your two bookends. Then in the draft, you get Marvin Harrison Jr. You give Justin Fields another weapon. You get Johnny Newton from Illinois. And all of a sudden this team gets a lot scarier. You add a center maybe in free agency of the draft. This team is pretty scary. I, I I like that. I think they are a playoff contender at that point. And everyone's saying, whoa, you need the Super Bowl contender. It takes time, right? You need a couple years of being in the playoffs and contending before you can be a Super Bowl contender. So, yep. Uh, like Gary Gary asks in the chat, uh, have you had a chance to look at Christian Wilkins out of Miami defensive yeah, tackle? No. He's, he's a talented guy. I've seen bits and pieces of him. Um, me... I like him. I've just I follow Johnny Newton a lot more, um, mm-hmm. and I just I just love, he he reminds me a lot of of the Tommy Harris type, right? Uh, Pre injury, like Tommy Harris, uh, we can all agree. I think before he got injured, was one of the most dynamic three techniques in the game, and I think if he didn't have injuries, we we'd be talking about he'd be one of the best in the league. I mean, he was so dynamic before injuries, explosive. When I first got in the Bears in 2010, he was coming off some injuries and still wasn't the same. But his get-off was always there. That's something that, that I think for any defensive lineman is a non-negotiable. So when we were talking about Jervon Dexter, if he can work on that get-off, Braggs, 6'6", 315, 320 pounds with the strength, the quickness he has, watch out. Right, yep. that, that could be similar to a better version of Calais Campbell who has played some damn good football. Um, I think he's an eight, nine-time Pro Bowler um, with that length, with that strength. That could be Jermon Dexter right there. Um, and I think he's quicker than, than uh, Calais Campbell. So imagine, imagine that. That, that, w- that would be pretty scary. I mean, they're close. There's no question they're close. It's just like at this point, and this is what I've tried to just emphasize the Bears fans, and I'll, I'll continue to do it. I mean, we do – seven, eight shows a week during the season and and six shows a week during the off season. So there's a lot of repetitive conversations we have on here, but the, the, the message I just want to continue to send to fans because like even today and every chat we have, it's almost like they're not listening. They're just in the chat screaming at each other about their opinions. And Hey, I'm not going to hold you. If they want to do that, have at it. We do it all day on bears, Twitter and social media. You're going to come into our chats and, you know, I, I'd appreciate if people kept it civil, but I know sometimes emotions can get the best of us. But the thing that I've just always tried to go back to is I, I don't care what scenario you draw up. The bears are on the right trajectory. They are very close. Their defense is really starting to build. The roster itself is starting to build. They still have to start to bolster that depth, but they're not that far away. And I don't know what route Ryan Poles is going to take. I think the coaching thing is going to be the most important one. Even if I have strong opinions about what they should do at quarterback, the coaching part of it, I think is something that will bring everyone together. You have an off season where you potentially could have bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin and Jim Harbaugh all available in one off season. 
hey man, I respect Matt Aberflus for the improvements they've made, especially if they were to finish the season with eight wins and knock Green Bay out of the playoffs. I think that would be a hell of a way to finish the year. But man, if I'm Ryan Poles, that's an even that's a that's a tough spot to not look at three guys with the kind of resume those coaches have. And I and I just think that those decisions will be something that could bring this fan base together and start to trust who's making the decisions on what they're going to do. And maybe, you know, uh, you know, you know, get the flames down on some of the fans. So fired up about what they think is the best route from a personnel standpoint. Coaching is very important. The chiefs, you know, with uh, Matt Nagy screwing up Matt, Patrick Holmes. I know we blame everything on Matt, but he's in our chat every day. So it's fun to blame everything on Matt, but it is true. I mean, coaching is important. Brian Baldinger said it too. Like, you know, uh, if these quarterbacks coming out, if they don't have the right coach attached to them, they may not work out. And, and at the end of the time, at the end of the day, we need to make sure we get this coaching decision, right? So I I'm encouraged by some of the improvement that Matt Eberflus has made. The defense is starting to turn the corner. He scares me situationally. Uh, but if they do decide to roll with him, I definitely need a new offensive coordinator. I think that's yeah. non-negotiable at this point. We have a 1999 super chat from our guy, Duke. Is there some big controversial topic that keeps coming up in the chat <laughs> or Twitter brags? Is the, is it the bears logo? I really haven't noticed uh troll face. Love you. Woot. Uh, we appreciate, appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what that discussion is. It's not something we've literally beat this horse to death with over the last two months. And it's it's tough, man. It, you know, we, we just want to get our answers. I wish we were talking about playoff scenarios yeah. and talking about some of those other things. But that's kind of where we're at right now with everything. But at the end of the day, we're getting closer and closer to those answers. Yeah, I, I think the, the big question everyone has to ask themselves, right? is if we had a different play caller offensively from the beginning of the year, would we see a different offense? Would we see a different Justin Fields? Would we see a, a different collective offensive unit? And I, I do believe the answer is yes. We would see a, a, a night and day difference. Um, I, I think that's that's exactly my point, is I think that we would see a different Justin Fields that people would be like, yeah, he's, he's the guy going forward. And right now, we've seen very up and down at times. Like I said, with the consistent play calling, the first two scripted uh, drives, and then after that, right, we see a lull in, in the offense. Consistent with, with pretty much every game with the exception of maybe three or four games. Um, so that's my only thing is you have to ask yourself that question. Is it the play caller? I do believe it is. I think Justin Fields has all the talent. I think all the coaches around the league know that. I think the players know it when they're playing against them. I've never seen, like, when you look at last year after the, we played Philly, right, you you look at all the players over there, Brandon Graham and all these defensive players, Hassan Reddick and all them. Oh, man, Justin Fields, he's, he's a stud. Mike McDaniel, right? He said they was on the, um, the NFL Films thing saying, man, this guy Justin Fields is a stud. Right. So that's what I'm saying. His talent is there. Everybody yep. recognizes the players him. voted him in the top 100 ahead of Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Exactly. His talent is there is undeniable. The play caller has been doing a disservice, and I can tell people that to the blue in the face. But the proof is in the pudding. You look at it, you look at uh, Brock Purdy and what he's doing. Unbelievable, right? MVP conversation. 
but he's not more talented than Justin Fields. I don't care what anybody says. Yep. He's, Justin Fields in that scheme, he's lighting it up. Yeah, um, not easy decisions, you know, um, more questions than answers. I feel like with this bears team this year, which is unfortunate, um, definitely on the right path, but the two most important questions haven't been answered to its fullest extent. And that's why we're, uh, still, you know, kind of banging our heads against the wall, trying to figure out what the, what the answer is. You know, you said proof is in the pudding and Edward Elric says, Ooh, I like pudding. And, and I am curious, where do you think that that's that saying comes from? The proof is uh, in the pudding. I've never know. heard of it. Maybe this. I should you know? stop saying that. Cause Bill Cosby, like pudding. Po- I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how we got to a Bill Cosby reference in this show, but we yeah. did. We it's made it here. ladies. Pudding. Yeah. I, I don't know where tastes, it, I don't know. It tastes so good that like, it's just the proof is could be, could yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So either way, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun off season because I'm really excited with what they can do, and um, I, I I really think if you if you build this team, you can continue to build it. Um, I think they could be a contender in this league, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see what they do, man. Because either way, right? Um, I I I'm telling you, I'm I'm gonna be surprised. If if they if they draft a quarterback, I, I really am. I, I I just think with the way things are trending, right? And I think Justin Fields is starting to showcase. And obviously, it's not it's not lighting up numbers wise, but he's winning games. Um, he's showing growth. I think this team, this defense, is playing well. Um, I think Poles is looking at this like, hey, if I get that play caller and I build around this team, I think we're closer than if we draft a quarterback, right? That's one less, especially as the number one pick, right? Because I, I, I think it's I think it's a tough transition for a rookie quarterback to come in and light it up. I think we could all agree on that. It's it's very hard, right? We've seen it's not easy. Yeah. haven't seen too many, right? Um so I think if you build around this team and I think defense wins championships at the end of the day. Right. I think you have to have a good quarterback. I don't think you have to have the number one quarterback in the league, but I think you have to have a great defense. And I think the, the Giants have been examples is that um, the Legion of Boom, uh, Denver, when they had Von Miller single-handedly take over the game, defense wins championships, man. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't think that that route you're, you're choosing is one that is going to mean the Bears aren't good next year. I think they have every opportunity to be very competitive next year, but these are going to be interesting decisions. Duke. Another 1999 Super Chat here on After Dark. We appreciate you jumping in here, Duke. Although I am pissed at you, and maybe we can address this on the afternoon show, but I saw you say that Carm was your favorite, and now Herb Howard is your favorite, and I like Herb, I like Carm, but yeah, it's like, where I didn't realize there was a favorite man. I well, yeah, exactly. Like, where are we on this pecking order? You got Herb one now, Carms two. Where do you have Hogue? Then me and Woot. Are we below Nick and Will too? Like, how far down the the list do we go, Duke? But you're here tonight and you're giving us a super chat. So you got back in my good graces. But when I watched the afternoon show today, I wasn't too happy with you. But he asks Woot, are boneless wings wings? Or are they chicken nuggets? They're, they're chicken nuggets with some sauce on it. 
That's just really what it is. Yeah, man. I agree. They're chicken nuggets. Yeah. They're not real wings. Yeah. And are you the type of guy when you eat wings that is there any like are they all the way down to the bone or do you eat them like a a serial killer and you leave meat on the bone? I I try I try to eat them as close to the bone as possible, but okay. uh, do you like yeah. eat the cartilage too, like all of it, or do you leave the cartilage? I, I ate a, I ate a good portion of it. Um, mm-hmm. and it just depends if the wings are good. Like you know, you, we've all had wings that you're like, uh, those are kind of mid. Like I'm not gonna eat all those, but if they're if they're if they're finger licking good, you gotta mm-hmm. eat the whole thing, man. You know. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I think I think. Cram, uh, he likes the boneless wings, right? Oh, you know, Cram likes boneless wings. Any, I guarantee, you know, any, he's not eating anything with his hands. Like, he could never go to yeah, medieval. He, he, plays, times. he plays tennis. He wears a polo 24 7. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's soft. We know Carm's soft. The, sil- oh. the silver fox himself. So, did you have a good Christmas before we take off? You have a good yeah, Christmas? Santa, Santa, come. Give your beautiful oh, yeah. family all the gifts. Yeah, yeah. You know, my daughter's got a lot of things, and uh, I got some golf-related stuff. I know you're getting into the golf. I'm getting um, into the golf game. Yeah. And what would he shoot, about a 128? Slow down now. Slow down now. Yo, Slow Carl, down Carl now. Will smoke you, boy. No, he won't. He cheats. He can beat me if he cheats or if we're playing in a torrential downpour. Other than hold, that, hold he can't Hold, hold on real quick. I've seen your swing. And Karma must be that bad if he can't beat you. Well, his problem is attention span. So, like, uh, yeah, my swing needs improvement, and I'm going to work on my game here this offseason while we get back to spring. But his problem, you know, as is with his life, is his attention span. And he gets out there, and he starts to get bored, and he's doing all this million things. He's talking, won't shut up, and he, he doesn't focus. Whereas me, the 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 hardline competitor raised from the – the, the Michael Jeffrey Jordan days, I'm locked in. I'm killer mentality. So you can't throw me off my game because I'm trying to I'm trying to kill yeah. you out there on the course. You and you and your boys had like uh Braggs and his boys at the CHGO first <laughs> at Hill. charity golf at Cog Hill. They had uh team uniforms over there. What would you what'd you end up shooting? Well we played a you know a um we played um you know a scramble scramble so i i don't know what i personally shot i can't remember but we finished oh you can't remember oh well you were one of the you were the second you were the second best team you guys were the second best team but you guys got hustled by that by those you know those guys those ringers the ringers that came in from alabama man no they were from chicago man they 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 play college golf the one guy's a pga pro he teaches lessons and the other guy. Oh, plays, you got the uh, intel on him. Yeah, my my Michael Powders, my guy, texted him the other day. He's a college golfer, man. He's been he shoots he shoots scratch. The other guy scratch. So we're just a bunch of you know. Well, we, I think this we were, was my we were first minus year. Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Re- I have to go back and look, but I know we were up. We were up there, so don't be hating on us. And we were definitely I'm, the most. I'm hating amp- on your swing because you need some lessons, brother. Don't so, hate on our my swing. And I gotta hate on your swing. You gotta give some I'll love pay, to our I'll group for you to get. Because I'm willing, to, I'm willing to bet. Pro. I'm pretty sure we were in the top five with our group. And the other thing you have to keep in mind what is flight though. Was you in the D flight? Listen, the other aspect of our group at Cog Hill was we were definitely the most intoxicated group by the end of the <laughs> 18 holes, too. So, yeah, you, yeah you if everybody was drinking by about, by about uh, the, third the third hole. hole. Yeah, 100%. You're like, 
hundred percent we were, but if everyone drank on our level, we probably would have finished in the top three. So, um, oh, yeah, Dr. Dr. Truth saying, Dr. Truth saying we need Yo. a side by side of Barkley so, and Bragg. So, hey, if anyone in the chat is old enough and probably remembers, Braggs and his boys were, were drinking Zima. I don't know if you remember that drink. They yeah, were drinking I remember Zima, Zima out there. Yeah, they was out there like this. Oh, you want some Zima, guys? I'm Braggsy. <laughs> oh, Man, boy. Was... All right. <laughs> Before we go, the other question I had for you when we talk about Christmas, what is your favorite Christmas gift you ever got in your life? What's the one when you think about the best Christmas gift, the one that like you freaked out about when you were a kid? Oh, shoot. It probably had to be uh, a starter jacket, right? So I grew up uh, a Cowboys fan. Um, you know, you follow suit where your dad is, even though I grew up right down the street from Giant Stadium. My grandfather was a, a Cowboys fan because of Tony Dorsett, big fan okay. from college. Uh, my dad was a fan, so I follow suit. But the starter jacket, right? The starter jacket, starter hat, uh, had that. And I remember I wanted that for the longest. Um, got it on Christmas, wore it like every day that winter. And that and the hat, those are my favorite Christmas gifts. I've okay. Had. Starter jackets. Oh, yeah. The 90s starter jackets. You you talk about Zima and uh, starter jackets. Now you're bringing back the, the good old days. Yeah, with. But uh, I know you 90s. like Zima. You used to sneak that. No. You, know, you, you no. used to sneak that to the parties in high school. You guys want some Zima? I'm Braggsy. <laughs> no, because yeah, yeah. uh, we had those Smirnoff triple ice smeared oh, off i'm not saying we did i'm just saying that that was no, our you generation. did you did slow down now have i had one or two in my day yes but you, two, got, you got ice that's what it was. you got ice. yeah exactly <laughs> the z exactly everybody icing you the zimas are before my time okay no. and i know we're the same age but it doesn't feel like it because you're yeah, everybody Goliath thinks you're much older i mean no, nobody. I always, everyone I'm around, like Hogue, when I do shows with him, I always forget that I'm older than him. He's two years younger. You, Woot, I always feel like you're older than me because you like played professional football and you're, a, you know, a Goliath of a human being, but I'm pretty sure I'm older than what you. What are you, 39? I'm, th I'm going to be, I'm 38. 38. 38. So you're as old as Hogue. And both of you act older than me. It's a maturity thing. You guys are older than me in maturity years, <laughs> not not years, actual years. So uh, that wraps things up. Yeah, just wanted to hear your favorite Christmas gift. Mine was a Nintendo sixty four and the and cruising USA. Golden Eye, Golden Eye, Cruise. But the first games that came out, like when the console first came out, yeah, it was like you know Super Mario, Turok. Uh, Wave Rock, Runner, remember? Yeah. yeah, the Dinosaur Hunter movie or, or game. Yes, so those yeah. those were like the first games, and then Cruising USA also, and then then Goldeneye and some of those other games yeah. came. So you were the guy that used to throw his controller at the screen, like, yeah, like mom, why is it not working? <laughs> why <laughs> you make me sound like such a soft ass? Like, man, I need no, to get I, this. I, is this is why I don't like doing sh shows without Carm because if Carm was here then we'd make fun of Carm. But because I don't have Carm yeah. here, then I got to take the arrows. I, I, I got to make fun of you, man. You were, you were the kid that used to cry when he'd lose to his older cousin, right? You were like, Mom, it's not fair. Jonathan's around. You know what? I, I'm not going to lie. Have I cried a few times in my life? More than a few yeah. times? Yeah, I'm an emotional person. I'm a very <laughs> emotional person. So I'm not going to cry. We started this show talking about my whining, and we're going to end it talking about exactly. my crying. 
That's you know, real it, real men cry, okay, Corey? Oh, no, no, I believe that, but not, not over video games. You ever cried at a movie? Oh, all the time. Okay, right? so then don't then don't talk. You did admit that. Game, you admitted no. that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if I've ever cried at a video game. Oh, you Maybe. definitely have. I can tell by the. You know what? We're gonna end this, okay? Yeah. So we appreciate everybody tuning in, uh, Doctor Truth. Great show. Appreciate you, Doctor Truth. Please, everybody, hit that. Yeah, definitely. We're having fun here. Got a couple more games uh, to cover as we wind down the seasons. Uh, been a lot of fun. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Please hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Corey, appreciate all your insight as yeah. per usual. We'll uh, we're going twelve rounds on the great quarterback and head coach debate. Uh, next week we'll be hitting round eleven. Uh, we're getting to see who can get to the to the bell. See if somebody gets knocked down before the bell. Until then, uh, we'll see you tomorrow at noon. Brian Baldinger should be joining us. Adam Hogue, myself, Mark Carmen, we'll all be back in studio. So we'll see you then. Until then, bear down. <laughs> 